You're listening to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. I'm your co-host Lizzie, and this is Dean. We'll be covering all topics relating to health, fitness, and bodybuilding. Join us as we use our in-the-trenches experience and up-to-date science to provide you with information that you can actually use. If you like what we do, be sure to give us a like, follow, share, and tag us on social media. It's almost Christmas, and our guest is almost as cool as Santa Claus. I would say cooler. I mean, at least he's not a lie. He's real. <laughs> there might be children listening, Dean. Oh, my God. We're off to a banger. <laughs> Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys. Our pleasure. You are somebody who I don't, I, we've never met in person, have we? Because you're from Perth and we're from the East Coast. Mm, I'm not sure. I met Dean like a hundred times, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if we have, have we? Okay. It's usually at the bodybuilding clubs, though. Like we, we always see each other in a different state, yeah. one of the nationals somewhere. So I don't think right. we've ever actually met twice in the same city. I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine so. No. Small industry. Yeah. Well, I feel like I know you, Richard, because I'm such a huge Richard fan online. And I was saying just before we press record that every time I see a post of yours, I want to like. <laughs> throw my phone against a wall because I agree that's how strongly I agree with everything you say I'm like yes he gets it it makes me mad so <laughs> I'm very excited to have you on the show today and um I was gonna say and then like a good fitness professional you usually steal that content and just repurpose it as your own yeah yeah, yeah that's what I'm gonna do it's my plan it's it's I've had that uh three or four times in the last week where my posts will just be rewritten and posted with somebody else's graphic it, it's really common so I definitely don't claim to be as intelligent or wise as you, Richard, but it's happened to me from my content as well, from like some bigger names in the industry. And it's really surprised me because, you know, one of them was actually my physiology mentor and the other, the other person runs this really big business. And it made me think like, oh, okay. So some people get to the top by stepping on a lot of toes and there's not always a lot of integrity. Because hmm. there's inspiration and then there's oh, yeah. and, and flattery and then there's imitation. Imitation completely. Yeah. And I used to be like really worried about that because I would see something sometimes and like sometimes someone will post something and I know what the message they're trying to get across is. They just maybe haven't conveyed it um, quite as well as they could have. And there'll be times where I'll see a message and I'll be like, oh yeah, I think I can convey that in my own way that may relate to my own followers a little bit more. And I'll do that. And then part of me will be like, oh, is that, you know, is that plagiarism? And you're like, no, we're just, you know, looking at ideas. We all post similar sort of ideas. I think a lot of it's just how it's, uh, how it's sort of portrayed across to, and how it's communicated. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being like, I got this idea from so-and-so. Let me ask. I was, was going to say, Richard <laughs> comes from the era when Lyle McDonald was like the main dog coming up as well. Right. And like, he, he put the fear in a lot of people. If, you didn't, if you didn't quote him, you're going to get called out. You cannot bullshit, say so. the word macros or flexible dieting or IIFOM without yeah. <laughs> yeah. referencing Lyle McDonald. He will call he you invented that. Them. Yeah, absolutely. He invented macros. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Well, Richard, for people who don't know who you are, can you please give yourself a quick intro? Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? So my name is Richard. Um, I co-own a gym called The Physique Code. So I've been a, a coach for, what is this, 2006. My math is terrible. 17 years, 18 years, a long time. Um, and I've worked through a number of multiple different sports. So I've actually I've coached and played high-level basketball, um, where I actually started personal training. Um, 
I've gone through general population. I've gone into to bodybuilding. Um, so I've done a, a lot of a variety of uh, of different types of coaching over my over my career. So most most recently, um, for the last five years, we've got the uh, the actual gym, the physique code. So we've got a uh, uh, we, what started as a body composition company, which primarily still is, but we've sort of branched out into. Uh, a little bit of sport and a little bit of health uh, work as well. Uh, but yeah, so I, I manage and, and and run that gym. We've got six trainers working there full time. Um, and yeah, I'm still coaching because I love it the, from the first day uh, that I started. So still doing the same thing, just kind of trying to expand it a little bit. Um, and then why I do it, I I love it. I don't it's hard, right? Like you can ask that question and depending on my mood, I'm going to give you five different answers. Um, but yeah, I, I'm fascinated by the body. Um, I'm fascinated by what the body can do. Um, I'm fascinated by mixing physiology and emotion to see, you know, what capabilities we can get somebody uh, and where we can actually take them to. Um, and just understanding people and trying to build them, you know, using habits and communication, um, building better lifestyles and, and trying to get people to, again, just be healthier, be more active. And, and, you know, from day one, it's been, you know, I've done, enjoyed it this way, or I've enjoyed it that way, or I've enjoyed it this way. But, you know, at the end of the day, the core value is, is I've just been fascinated by, you know, helping people improve physiologically and mentally. Love it. Yeah. I think the, other half of the pie, the soft skills work, you know, the habits and the emotions is something that a lot of coaches miss. And although it's really important to understand the hard science, we're not working with machines. <laughs> we're working with people's fears and dreams and, you know, lack of understanding and myths and, and all of that stuff too. And that's something mm -hmm. I think you and the people you work with do really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a missing link to it. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, there's, we're, we're in, as John Goodman would say, there we go, the shout outs, you know, we're in the information era right now. So there's absolutely no lack of information. Um, and I think, you know, we're, people are still struggling. So when we're looking at it, I don't think for, for majority of my general population clients, I don't think the, the issue is going to be, they need more information. They don't need the most up-to-date, you know, principles on things where everybody, where coaches are trying to like sort of push towards um, it's just, they need the basics delivered in a way to them that can be motivating, um, you know, and, and things that they can, you know, buy into and actually sustainably stick to. So yeah, the yeah. soft skills, I think are, are just at probably a low point at the moment, I would say, I don't think it's an information issue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if anything, maybe there's too much information for like mm. Jeff Pop's confused. Is it a high fat diet or is it keto? Is well, it that's one of the funny reels going around at the moment is people on their phone, like. I'm going to make a nice meal and the meal's like carbohydrates. And then it says, someone, it cuts to someone, you can't eat carbohydrates. They're going to make you fat. And he's like, fuck. And then he goes, all right, well, I'll have, I'll have avocados. So you can't have avocado. It's got plant toxins in it. Fuck. All right. What about water? <laughs> Everyone needs to stop drinking water. And he's like, what do I eat? You know, like, <laughs> there's nothing yeah, left. That, that is the information <laughs> error. Yeah. Yeah. Because complicated seems scientific and like i don't know everyone likes to think they're special and they need their blood type diet and they're yeah, like that's still around dear, too. oh my god please die yeah I mean, um i actually heard someone talking about that the other day i hadn't heard that in years 
the blood type diet thing. I saw it. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that in years. And then I heard somebody, yeah, somebody in our gym came in and said that uh, their doctor had told them about it. I know I saw oh. yesterday was a person who's uh makes his own supplements and he has a meal replacement shake that is made for blood types. <laughs> oh. oh man. Because he said I I wanted to put beef protein in it, but I couldn't because I had to account for all blood types. Oh I was God. like, all right, sweet. Was it Panadol that got sued recently because they made a pill for headaches, Periods. a pill specifically for period pain? And yeah, someone sued them and said, like, this is misleading. It's exactly the same as the headache one. Yeah. They mm. just put the symptom that it can fix on the box. And right. So that's what it was for. Is this like your And mates? I believe they can charge, they were charging more for the period. Very prices one. for the different ones. Cause obviously, mm. if you've got period wow. pain, you're like, well, can you know, please stop this? Like, yeah. You know, but you're saying before, Richard, man, information error. I think the problem with soft skills too is I don't think that one, they don't sound sexy when people are talking about them. And two, yeah. like most people that are trying to do education online are trying to impress people with language mm. instead of recognizing that the person that they're trying, I mean, most people don't even know who their avatar is and who they're talking to. They're just putting information out there that seems fucking cool instead of realizing who they're trying to speak to. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think um, trainers are sort of marketing on social media to other trainers. And it, and it really is. It's like, I'm going to try to sound smarter than this person. Or I know this. And, and it's like, you know, you're, you're, if you're demographic or people that struggle to get to the gym two or three days a week, you know, why are we talking about lines of pool on a lap pull down? Right. We should be talking about, you know, you know, or, or the perfect program or the perfect macro split. Like, you know, we should talk about trying to eat healthier foods and, you know, just get to the fucking gym. Like, you know, the, the perfect program doesn't matter um, if they're not going so just get them and having fun. So yeah, I agree hundred percent. For sure. You recently did a pivot, did you? And uh, you were coaching a different demographic and now you've moved to Gen Pop. Yeah. So I've always done Gen Pop, but I like to also say that I haven't because I was really not as good at it as, as I thought I was. Um, and I think probably a year and a half down the track, uh, I'll probably say that about myself right now again. Um, but that's yeah, like I, worth, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what they say, right? If you don't look back six months before and see mistakes, then you're not growing. Um, yeah. And I sort of worked out and you know, I was a person when I was a little bit younger coaching, probably, you know, five, six years ago, where I would have a certain type of person that I would work really well with. Um, and outside of that, I would struggle to, to get results. And I knew, you know, for me, it was like, well, I know what to do. I know this, the hard skills, but, you know, this person's just not doing it. So um, that's on them. And yeah, and, and that was my mentality. And I think that's still really common in the fitness industry today at the moment. Um, and, I, and I completely understand it because I was there. But, you know, being able to, and then, and then that was the first instance. And then the second instance was I would have, I had a couple of clients that were, uh, won the national titles in ICN and bodybuilding, and then they left. And in my head, I was like, well, okay. I mean, we got to the pinnacle of where we wanted to get to, and then you left. And so for me, again, that was outwards blaming. Um, you know, it's not my issue because you guys, you know, you guys got the results you wanted. And then it's sort of just, little things clicked as I was working and um, I sort of worked out and I was like, okay, look, you know, the process and how I need to deliver and how I have to connect with these people needs to 
needs to end up now improving because I think I'm just writing off people that aren't the certain stereotype that work well with me. Mm. Um, and I actually went and spoke with a performance psychologist who, uh, who's in Perth and she works with the Perth glory. She works with the Perth wildcats and she, she deals in elite sport. Um, and she, I just started doing some mentoring with her and she really opened up my eyes on, um, you know, always like being, I guess Mar uh, Martin Rooney says it where he says, you know, be a blame taker and a credit maker. Don't be. And, and, um, you know, and then I sort of started looking back and going, okay, well, what can I do better? What can I do better? What, how can I create more buy-in? How can I, and I just kind of went down this like sort of rabbit hole of learning and I ended up, you know, learning the terminology of soft skills. And then it's sort of one of those things where that's about 90% of what I learned right now in coaching. Um, and the results have they never really been better. Like I, I work better now because I'm understanding people a little bit more and I'm understanding, you know, how, maybe how, how to motivate different individuals um, and things like that. And, and the results have just sort of skyrocketed and it's, you know, same amount of clientele, but the difference is, is, you know, I can work outside that specific archetype of person. Mm. Um, so now when I'm looking at it in terms of coaching and I'm seeing, you know, looking in the industry and like you were saying before, right. And it's like, people are, most people work really well with a certain type of person, um, which usually is very similar to themselves. Um, and then outside of that, they're only maybe getting results with 10 people. So, you know, once you can learn to build and once I was, and I'm st still a work in process, but as I'm getting better at, you know, training different uh, types of people with different personalities, the results are just coming, you know, crazy from, from pro sports athletes to some of the bodybuilders that I have, to people that have never even been in the gym before. Mm. Um, so it's just a, a huge eye opener for me now. So I think for me, it was like that whole, what's that saying? You have to know enough. Um, like you don't have to know everything, but you have to know enough, but show them that you care. Um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's another that concept? Yeah, it's, similar concept. Same thing. Yeah, similar sort of thing, right? But yeah, and and again, and it's just like been this like thing for me where it's like the results I'm getting now with I'm just able to get people buying in better. Yeah. Uh, and and it's been a huge eye opener for me. And the more I delve into it, the more I look around the fitness industry and I'm like, okay, this is a big fucking problem because we've got bodybuilders uh and powerlifters. I will pick on bodybuilders and powerlifters, but it's a lot of people. Um, but people that like bodybuilding and powerlifting. And they start training general population people and they're just trying to turn them into mini versions of themselves almost. Um, and then, you know, and it's like, well, no wonder you're not getting a result with them because, you know, what habits you have and built that you think are easy for you, they're not able to do. So, you know, you need to you know, be better at learning how to, um, you know, work in with different personalities and work in with different, you know, skill levels and things like that. And, um, and, you know, you're going to be able to, to work with a much larger demographic, therefore be much more successful in the industry. Mm. And I suppose there's a difference between somebody who is a competitive powerlifter or bodybuilder and someone who is a gym enthusiast that just wants to look like a competitive bodybuilder or powerlifter. Um, so I'm curious to know, Richard, how would you approach somebody who is a competitive athlete versus somebody who's what we would call, sorry, for the terminology listeners, gen pop meaning general population, not a competitive um, athlete. How would you approach those two demographics differently? 
Yeah. Um, the easiest way that I always sort of explain this in workshops is like I have two different types of training. Um, so I have development training and then performance training. So development training, and this is, you know, you don't have to label it, but I just find it makes it a little bit easier when I'm explaining it. But like development training is about, I look at that like youth sports. Um, so somebody that, you know, they're brand new, they need to learn everything from the ground up. So you're not, you know, you're focusing on sustainability, you're focusing on uh, building the skills, which could be like, you know, rep, uh, you know, training technique and, and, and habits and water and basics of food and, you know, building yourself back up in that regard, which is what I would use more for general population clients. Um, and then we have development coaching, which is a little bit more management. So like if we were to look, um, I'm a big fan of basketball, so I use a lot of basketball term, uh, analogies, but that would be like somebody coaching in the NBA where the players get there and they know how to play basketball. Like that's how they, they've been playing all their life. They're, they're extremely good at basketball. It's more so going to be about the management of it. Um, and, you know, making, you know, you're not having to teach them how to dribble a basketball. You're trying to teach them how to get the best out of them. Um, so I think when I come down to coaching gen pop and, and sort of higher level, they don't have to be pro or just sort of higher level athletes. Um, I look at, you know, more sustainability, more uh, working on building habits, working on, you know, understanding goal setting and not just going for outcome goals, which is a huge topic. And then whereas, you know, the development or the performance coaching is going to be a lot less emphasis on that. And we're sort of going to, it's going to be sort of about management, um, you know, just making sure that, you know, we're getting, if it's a bodybuilding client, you know, we're getting the timing right for their surplus phases, for their, when they're going to compete again, how long they should diet for, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's generally how I do break it down. So it's just going to be a little bit more uh, habit, sustainability, um, skill. And then on the performance side, it's just about managing the skill that they already have. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because Dean, you did gen pop years ago and then now you are for the longest time doing competitive athletes only. Yeah. Have you found a big difference in how you deliver your coaching? Um, I suppose I certainly think that my, my the allowability for me to ask for more is allowability a word. Yeah, it is. I may I, I, I pondered on it for a bit. Let's but fact I'm check gonna that. Roll with this, you know. Okay, allowability. Great word. Like yeah. my clients allow me the opportunity mm -hmm. to be a little bit more specific and intentional and uh, direct with my requests of their like you know actions. I guess you could say that's okay. the major difference. Is that there's an expectation of them of me to say from them of me to say this is what I need. Okay. Um, more instructional and generally speaking the clientele that are coming to me now don't need me to turn don't need me to, to teach them the basics like uh -huh. we're not developing basic skills like richard said yeah it's more about refining and dialing things up and down mm -hmm. but interestingly the greatest thing that i think i've well the thing that has come up the most frequently with my clients in regards to uh how effective they've found the strategizing to be has been more about me managing them as a person than it is actually the specifics of the skills. Can because most me... of them know how to train. Yeah. Most of them know how to eat. Most of them know what they're doing right and wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but there's this, uh, you know, definitely some soft skills learned from the things that we've done at Flex Collectively as coaches. But then also just, I suppose, like an inherent uh, 
coaching skill that I've picked up maybe from coaches that have coached me to manage the person so that I'm a person that they can um, rely upon for those sources. What do you mean by manage the person? Um, finding ways of or finding the things that make them tick. Okay. Finding things that make them like crumble and then giving them like, or having conversations and or giving them skills to try and find ways to manage those better. So they don't tick or crumble faster. Like I may have one client, for example, that is like, uh, for, for an ease of reference, ADD is fuck super anxious uh -huh. um, and always on edge. Okay. And then my calmness is something that has come to the forefront for them that has given them the chance to like learn how to breathe through things to make right. you know better decisions not to rush things not to be so amped up and then vice versa to respond not react yeah you know mm. conversely to that somebody who's just very like yeah you know life's just going on but they're like no 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 we need to dial this up and some more right you need so to be like, intentional being the coach is the skill I think that has come up most for me between those two it really is an art isn't it it's not just a science there's a huge art to, to coaching. Massively. And I like, mm. I, I think I've just probably been lucky with the people that I've come up through with some of the coaches because I've seen both sides of it. You know, that the real hard ass coach that just rips on you for everything. The, the real like sort of dad like coach that, you know, takes you under their wing. Then there's like the, the combination of the two. Yeah. Um, so being exposed to coaches all of my life has probably given me some skills that I didn't even know I had. Just like my parents gave me skills that I didn't know existed yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, it's good to know when to put on which hat, the dad hat and like the sergeant hat. And the... mm. Yeah. And Richard, I mean, you've been yeah, doing this I, for nearly two decades. I'm sure you've got all those hats under your belt. Uh, well, sometimes. Some, I always think like every time I think that I'm sort of looking at it and going, yep, that's uh, this is what I think it is. It ends up not being that at all. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you do look at it, it's so interesting how like, like you said, with like bodybuilders, right? And it's like how their different personalities can come out. And then like from, from, uh, from person to person, and then how you you just kind of find yourself almost like playing a different face um, with each one, because that's, you know, how you have to get the better, to get the best out of them. Um, and it is, and I think it is, it's an, it definitely is an experience thing, which is something that I'm sort of preaching a lot with. Um, his coaching is like, you know, try to learn from his or try to train as many people as you can, because the more people that you train, the more exposure you're going to have to these different personalities and you'll make mistakes. And, you know, we all do. But, you know, that's that's the best way for me to 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 learn how to know how to deal with people so that, you know, that's why people down the track and say he's been coaching for 15 years, you know, um, or, you know, when they'll have it just builds buy-in because it's like, you know, they, they've got, that's what the experience is. It's like, you know, they'll be able to, um, you know, they've gone through it all as a coach. And I think just on a side note there, like Dean, so I've done two podcasts since you made this post and I've brought this up in both of them. So um, I'm just going to make it a three and we'll keep it a run. Um, but your post about Tom Stanley. Mm. And I think was one of the best, most realist posts that personal trainers can look at in terms of, uh, you know, getting buy-in and, and, and communication is basically, you know, how you said that, you know, the reason Tom, the reason Tom came to you is because of, of the experience that you've had and of the buy-in and, and, you know, all these other clients that you, you've been exposed to and done really well with, now you're attracting those clients. And I thought, you know, that, that was just the most perfectly worded post, um, because, you know, and for, I, I wish I, I shared that hoping that a lot of other trainers would see that um, because I think, you know, that's 
literally what the whole experience thing is. And that's what, you know, becoming a great coach is going to be like. And, um, you know, rather than throwing all these crazy marketing tactics out for just, you know, coaches that maybe haven't got to the level that you've got to, um, you know, you, you just summed up the most honest way of, of how to get to where you get to. Um, and I thought that that was really good that you, how you posted that. Remind me that post was Dean saying, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that when he first stepped into the industry, he had all this knowledge and all this stuff to give, but like, because he hadn't proven himself yet, nobody was really listening to him. Mm. Well, they listened less. And the post was, yeah, what you see here in one picture is the representation of 10 years of work. Right. Um, and it was, it was twofold. It was one to show that, but then two to also say like, funnily enough, in converse to this, or in, in, in contrast here to this conversation is that the hard skills that I knew that I had that some people didn't have that had more experience in the beginning weren't still serving me getting the clients that I thought I deserved because I was like, I think I know more than what that person actually knows from a physiology perspective, but you know, their like previous experience and now like their exposure is getting them all these clients and these clients are far easier for them to, to coach. And right. there's this perception of them being, you know, exceptional But they're just coaches. getting great clients from the beginning. Because know. they've done the 10 years prior to what I had. Uh-huh. Right? And uh-huh. now I'm at the stage where I'm in the same position where I'm getting better clients, at least from a physical perspective, not necessarily always mentally. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, but hey, yeah. <laughs> for anyone that's new that's joined, I'm not necessarily referring to you. Um, Dean's calling you crazy. But yeah, it's like a representation of both of those. Like there's 10 years of work. Don't get caught up in like looking at this and thinking that you should be here just yet because you've got a long way to go. But then also like clients recognize that just because somebody does have pro cards, it doesn't necessarily mean they've done the work either, you know, mm. or that they have the soft skills. So mm. um, yeah, thank you. That, that's an, that last point that you made there is really is interesting because like when we look on the, on the social media stuff, um, I'll just sort of generally watch the traction on the posts. And I and I do throw a few left field posts out there just to see like what grabs and what doesn't grab. And like one of the least grabbed posts that I've put up in the last couple months was the one that was like, you know, I don't actually define uh, the best coach as the one that has the most pro cards. Um, it's for me could, because there are athletes, especially like in my realm where we're in ICN, there's a lot of first timers that are, you know, when it's less, when the division is less muscular, it relies more on genetics, um, and ICN more so than in NPC, but you know, you get people that come in that don't really do like, they don't have to do much and they just dominate. And then, you know, the coaches of that, they go, Oh, whoa, this is crazy. So I, I thought it was interesting because I put that post up and I was like, you know, progression of an athlete over time um and retention are my two biggest things to uh to look at successful coaching um and it was one of the least popular posts mm. right well uh, yeah for her, the some of my greatest achievements as a coach have been individuals who haven't placed hmm. it's just that visually they don't get recognized and that was also a part of that post i think too or another one that i did was very similar it's exactly that. It's like, man, you get you'll get clients when you start start out that are so fucking difficult, and you'll do tremendous things for with them, and you'll get zero for it, other than obviously the recognition of the individual, and you know personally you've done very. But well. like they haven't won a pro card, or but they're just at their genetic potential. Yeah. Know? Side note: I get X client comes in, and I'm like, this guy looks like a freak. Turns out to be a freak. I changed four things for 14 weeks, 
he won and everyone's like oh my god you're the best coach ever <laughs> I'm, i mean i'll, I'll straight this is happening right now i think with like mila sakev and and samson Dowder for people who follow professional bodybuilding you've got an individual who is just so genetically elite it wouldn't matter who touched him for the last two years yeah. he probably would have progressed at the same rate um but yet milos will get pickup clients because of him now so, you know, the, the client that cost him the least amount of time and skills is probably getting in the most amount in regards to clients. Yeah. Well, you know, me out a little bit. yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like people who are coaching competitive bodybuilders, their clients will be in everyone's face all the time because bodybuilders love to check that their abs still exist and take photos of it and post it. And like, good for you, work really hard for them. But for uh, clients, sorry, for coaches who take on gen pop, Sally, who's trying to lose five kilos and feel healthier, isn't going to take as many selfies, isn't going to promote you as much online. So I think it's a little harder for gen pop coaches to, I don't want to say get the recognition, but for their clients to pump them up as much and for people to see the great work they're doing, because it's, you can't really take a picture of somebody's improved habits or how much more confident somebody mm. is or their gym consistency, like put that in a before and after. Yeah, they're also not as likely, I think, sometimes to even talk about their success for quite a while because people that have come from those positions are typically going to be a little bit less confident in their own abilities and they don't want yeah. to acknowledge that they had these problems. They don't even tell their friends that they're doing this thing with this coach. Yeah. So not only do you not get social um, traction in regards to like, you know, bumping up your coaching status, but you also don't even get the referrals as much because these people are trying to keep it to themselves. Right. Because some things they're trying to get over is like binge eating issues or something yeah. like that. And it's sort of taboo and they don't want anyone to know it. In the yeah. They're time. not sitting at Christmas and being like, I got over my binge eating disorder. Everybody should go to my coach. But the first one <laughs> is like, check out these motherfucking six pack, you know? Yeah. You should definitely go to my coach. They're two different people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the industry. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's a hard one, isn't it? But I think at the end of the day, right. if you do your job well and you care, that you end up with clientele. Like, man, I, I've, I've said this from back in the day when I worked in supplements to, to even now. Like when people ask me, like, how do you become, you know, the coach that you are now or whatever it may be? I'm like, just be a good person. and Consistently. Consistently do that and just customer service 101. Now, customer service is, can be a whole multitude of things. But if they like you, they'll, they'll help you out. If they don't like you, then you're probably not going to do so well, even if you're really smart. Likeability. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things. I and mean, I tell me if this is the same experience as you, but I get far more referrals from general population clients than I do from athletes. Like athletes generally come on, like if we post a photo of it and somebody will be like, oh my God. Um, but you know, we still get referrals from there as well. But in terms of like from general population, I get far more referrals, like people telling their friends and just saying, Hey, um, I feel amazing. You know, he, it's not going to be anything like you said, flashy on social media or anything like that. Um, but, but Fiziko gets a lot of referrals just from, from those people. Um, so then I always sort of look at it and I'm like, yeah, is it, is that what they're looking at? Or is it, Oh, this doesn't look good on Instagram for other coaches. So, um, which is like a whole other, I guess, topic, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it is interesting where we are right now. Mm. Yeah, speaking of athletes versus gen pop, what have you found to be like a common thread between like habits and mindset that you think serves people generally, regardless of how quote unquote serious they are as a athlete or fitness enthusiast? I think the biggest one, and I would all I would say everything is a streamline from this, 
is going to be their process driven over outcome driven. Okay. So I think the, the, the better you can communicate and get a client to be process driven over outcome driven, um, the more sustainable you can keep them in the game for, which is obviously what we know is going to get them results. Um, and I think, you know, when, when we can get somebody to set up, you know, something that we do is, is we set up with everybody is like uh, behavior or habit goals, which are like daily and then process goals, which might be like create a calorie deficit or, or whatever it might be, and then have the outcome. And then it's not that we're not trying to get to the outcome, but we're trying to get the, um, you know, we're trying to first nail those habit and behavioral goals. And I think both, uh, like, for example, like bodybuilders or, or professional athletes or just more advanced people in the gym are very good at that. Um, that have had great success. And I think, you know, the people, even general population that, that are, you know, really enjoying training and enjoying getting stronger and trying to beat themselves, you know, each week, um, generally they're the, you know, that mindset is the number one thing I think that, that creates success. And I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that can stem from that. But I think at the end of the day, um, if I had to simplify it as much as I could, I would say it's, you know, get them to be the people that are process driven, uh, generally are far more successful than those that are just outcome driven. I want to give an example for those that aren't quite convinced yet. Um, and it might look something like this. If somebody goes to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, I feel dizzy when I stand up and I'm having this symptom and that symptom. And the doctor says, well, you know what? Your blood pressure is way too high. I need you to reduce your blood pressure. And they go, all right, no worries. I'll reduce my blood pressure. And they go away and they think about reducing their blood pressure. And they're like, oh, I wish my blood pressure would go down. My bloody blood pressure, this and that. Like you haven't given the, so that's the outcome. They're focused on the outcome. Whereas if a doctor helped a patient focus on the steps necessary to reduce their hypertension, they might be like, you know, the goal is to reduce your blood pressure, but I really need you to focus on eating more vegetables, making sure you go for a walk every day you know, drinking a little bit less, like let's, how many days of the week do you think you could stay dry? Oh, great. So you're only going to have three drinking days. Fantastic. Let's focus on the walks, the vegetables, the four dry days a week. Fantastic. I'll see you in a month. Mm -hmm. Then they know exactly what to focus on the process and the outcome is going to take care of itself more or less. And so I, I still think it's wild that coaches and doctors and anybody who's trying to get particular outcomes with people aren't really driving this message home. Mm. Well, the cool thing about being process driven too is that you have success every day that you nail it. Right. If yeah. You have out, if you're outcome driven, you're only getting success once the outcome has been achieved. That's true. And what if your outcome as a gen pop client is to lose 40 kilos? <laughs> but that's a lot of failure before you actually feel like success. Yeah. Whereas every day you go for the walk and drink the water yeah. and eat the veggies, yeah. tick success. Yeah. And the similarity mm -hmm. there is paralleled so strongly into prep because a prep is an extreme weight loss goal done over a fairly long period of time. Like it's an elongated period of anywhere is probably as low as four months for most, sometimes six, eight months for some, mm. like imagine feeling like you're failing every day. Until you get on stage. Yeah. 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 And it's that whole, you know, people want that, you know, if you can create more dopamine hits from achieving something in real life, it's going to be, um, you know, they're more excited, they're more motivated. And, and, and generally they, you know, they want to keep feeling that feeling. So if you can set those goals up every 12 hours, 24 hours, then, 
you know, they're going to, they're going to keep chasing it and then they're going to end up getting to their, getting to their uh, goal. So, yeah, you know, I think yeah. that to me, yeah. that's the biggest thing. I was going to say, let's asterisk and to say the people that are not saying that the outcome isn't important because the outcome actually somewhat dictates the behaviors for the process. It sets the direction. It sets the direction. So like you, you start with that and then you go, it's like people will talk about this, even um, buying a house, you know, I want to buy a house. Okay. You need $500,000. Well, how do I get that? Well, uh, the following behaviors I need to do is stop buying 10 purses every week. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you just say, I only bought one purse this week instead of two purses, like that's one of your process ticks. Mm-hmm. And eventually if you keep doing the behaviors you set up, you'll end up saving the money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and funny enough, I actually um, on a on a on social media the other week, I put up a post. It was quite similar to that actually, and it was basically just um, you know saying that don't focus as much on the outcome, focus on the process of and the behaviors to getting to the outcome. And then I put it in terms of bodybuilding, and they're like, you know, the goal should always be to win. I'm like, yes, dickhead, that's not what I'm saying. Like. If you focus on winning, you're probably not going to do the stuff quite as well to get there. Like if you focus on the process, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win. Um, that's all I'm saying. But yeah. Also, I don't want to get into it, but most people in bodybuilding shouldn't be focused on winning because most cannot. Yeah. It's the weirdest, weirdest It's the thing. only thing out of your control in bodybuilding, really. Like the outcome, it can depend on who's shagging the judge. Like, like it is a, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a bizarre mm. activity pageant yes i'm gonna do it just for last sport um it's it's just weird like most people shouldn't be going to win like could you if you think about this the elite of the elite at the olympia there's probably only maybe i honestly think genuinely three maybe five guys out of the 20 competitors that have gone there with the thought i would like to win today well everyone likes to win but they, no, like, they i think expect... i could win today yeah. you know mm-hmm. I, I have an opportunity to win okay which is very weird okay yeah like that's a small percentage of people, but that's a, what it should, it should be less, to be honest. It should be probably one or two. Because I like the when Brandon Kempter says it, and he says, you know, in a prep, the only two things you can control are your posing and your uh, condition. Mm. Um, if you bring those to the best of your ability, then if you get beaten, you get fucking beaten. It is what yeah, it is. Right? It. Yeah. And if sometimes you, you don't get beaten, but you still don't get first place because that's bodybuilding. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, fucking bodybuilding. Objective sports, right? It yeah. happens. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so that that's a major similarities between gen pop and athletes. So they're like, and I'm, I'm going to say like one of the the things that you instill in your clients is to be process focused. Are there like are there any other like lessons or rules or things like that, that you try and instill in most of your clients? Uh, I think everything kind of stems from that. So like, just you know, we can look at things like um, just being composed, right? I always say this to to clients: is is composure is a hell of a skill to have because especially when you know gen pop it's a lifetime you know bodybuilding it's a long period of time sport it's a long period of time you know don't get too highs off don't get too high off the highs you know and and for a bodybuilder it could be um you win the state show don't go too crazy you know what i mean um or you don't win don't go too low it's fine it's you know it's all everything's going to be a process there's going to be another show you still have to get better regardless of the outcome um and then i think for for general population like a great great example for that could be i said we all know how much the scale can fluctuate right and it's like you know if you lose a kilo don't go celebrate it be happy but don't go too far over the top 
but because we we know that you know a hundred things can spike it back up um you know and it, and it probably will at some point and, you know and it's one of those things not to get too low over um so i think you know i always try to tell people it's like you know everything's just kind of um they're just markers um of the process and you know you're gonna have you're gonna have highs you're going to have lows and you know whether you're in sport or gen pop it's going to be the exact same thing you're you know you're never going to it's nothing's ever going to be linear so if you can sort of just keep focus and composure on uh on what you need to get to and keep doing those things that you need to do you know the behavioral goals um it's going to give you the best chance of success without having to get you know too worked up over um you know scale fluctuations or winning or losing shows or any of those sort of things because the bigger goal still has to be there. I love that. As well, like your example of seeing the scale go up and down, that's some objective measure. But when it comes to physique development, a lot of it can be subjective. Like I feel fat today or I feel strong today or I feel flat today. And I also find so much value in teaching people acceptance of those things and that we don't always have to act on it. Like there's one week out of the month where I always feel fat and flat at the same time and extremely hungry. And if I, you know, wake up in the morning, acknowledge that, you know what, it's my period this week. I know that I'm going to feel fat and flat and weak and like not going to the gym, but I'm just going to like continue and just accept these feelings and just move on and do the things that I should be doing there's so much of value in just acknowledging that and moving on and not always acting on how you feel. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mr. No feelings over here probably doesn't understand, but (laughs) I have feelings. Team team composure. (laughs) Now my line to my guys is always be constructive. Don't be critical. Okay. Because it's important for them to give themselves constructive feedback and have honest, you know, introspection and retrospection about like their behaviors, but also the way in which they look. But I, I really don't like it when I see people like, you know, there's a difference between saying, hey, I need to bring my biceps up and my biceps are fucking small. Yeah, okay. Like they're two, they're the same thing, they're but different. they're said in two different ways. And uh, so I'm big on that. Like be constructive, not critical. Okay. I like that. That's really good. Um, something I'm going to have to try I'll, to use. I'll look for the tag. I'll look for the tag, Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I tag everyone. Oh, I <laughs> That's funny. You probably get a picture of yourself in the corner of it. <laughs> uh, that's really good. I really, I, I really like that. Uh, that so it's um, it's coming up to Christmas now, Richard. And athletes and Gen Pop all have families and holidays and delicious Christmas lunches and aunties that make the best Christmas potato bake. How are you guiding your athletes and Gen Poppers through Christmas? Well, I'm one of those people that uh, if you've done the work for the majority of the time, uh, you know, it's like it's all about being consistent. So when I'm looking at the general population, you know, if we've, you know, the whole we've got the whole year, say 350 whatever days. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a period of three or four days. Right. Um, Enjoy it. Like I'm not. You know, you can you can very easily, you know, you've learned habits of, you know, trying to focus on protein, trying to focus on things like that. Um, but also, you know, don't shy away. I never tell any of my gym pal clients to enjoy themselves within reason. Um, but yeah, you know, remind them that they've done the hard work, you know, for a really long, consistent period of time. And, you know, a couple of days is not going to break them. So, you know, 
enjoy it. Don't feel, I don't want you to feel guilty. The key, the key will be is to make sure we have that exit strategy. So we don't have the whole, um, oh my God, I ate so much. And now I just get lethargic. And now, you know, I've fallen out of my routine, you know, as long as we have an exit strategy for that and we know, um, enjoy it. Okay. And I guess if people have built the mindset of like foods, not going anywhere, I can just eat till fullness. Yeah. I don't have to stuff myself. They've kind of built up a palate for vegetables and fruit. Like they're intuitively probably not going to be a dickhead anyways. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a level, level to that intensity of freedom, mm. you know, because it's like, you know, once, once you've, you've done this for long enough, it is, is it's instilled and ingrained within your psyche to look at a plate of food differently to what you did previously. And, there's always going to be some level of restraint, I think, to a degree. And then even if there isn't, then you probably know what the potential consequences are. And like Except you said, the that. exit strategy and accepting that is super important. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I th- just from a personal point of view, just with clients is like the, the whole thing with the exit strategy is, you know, it's, you know, two different ways of saying, you know, be lenient, eat within reason and have fun um, versus, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do. But, you know, once we're, once we finish that meal, um, you know, we want to get back on our habits. Like we have our goals that we want to hit and just sort of, you know, making sure that, you know, they're even outside of eating routine, you know, getting up, if it's getting up in the morning and going for a walk or getting up in the morning and going to the gym first thing in the morning that they regularly do, um, just try to put them back in that environment again um, mm-hmm. as quick as possible after. And then uh, generally, you know, it, it sort of goes, to, oh, yep, yeah, oh, I, I, don't, I feel, I'm starting to feel good again, you know, and it's, and it's, one of those things where, and if they do it, they get enough experience doing it. Um, you know, like you said, Dana, like it, it, you know, it gets ingrained into them and it's something that they can, they can have it. It becomes a habit that they can build on for, for life to not, you know, just eat and then throw everything out the window, mm. um, you know, for the next two weeks. And then it, it goes on and on and on. Mm. Not letting a lapse turn into a relapse. Mm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Most really importantly, cool. Richard, we want to know what you have asked Santa for Christmas. Oh, I, I got a uh, voucher. I wanted to get a voucher for some from goat for some sneakers. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. bad. I'm one of those people. I'm not. I'm a, not Grinchy, but like I am. It's okay. No judgment. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm. I'm kind of Grinchy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of Grinchy, but I think it's like I'm one of those people that I'll just. If I want something, um, why wait till Christmas? Yeah, I'll try to get it myself, and I, <laughs> I just don't. And I'm also like, I don't know if you, if it's like you, but I was having this conversation with a client the other day, and it's like, I understand when people are like, I want to get something that they're not going to think about, like you know, that they wouldn't usually think about, and I'm like, I'm so like drilled in with how I am that like, if there's something that like, don't do that. <laughs> it's like you got a twenty percent, you don't like it, like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a person yeah. to buy gifts for. He's so difficult. But we were having this conversation with a friend the other day. We were saying, like, everything we want, we have. And we're also at points in our lives where we live out of a suitcase. So there's not a lot of things you can buy us that won't weigh us down. Like, mm. do not get us things. But anything we want, we can either we have or you can't buy us. Like, you can't buy me the removal of my childhood traumas. Mm. <laughs> like, you can't, like, you know, there's there's... Or the thing that you could buy if it was something that was tangible is too expensive to ask of anybody to purchase for you. A trip to Antarctica. Like, go ahead. Merry Christmas. I don't know. They seem, 
Dean seemed to get a nice dinner the other night. I, I did, and that year. was a good choice. You know, funnily enough, yeah, we, I was talking about a, a tangible item, and there's like it wouldn't be travel. You couldn't travel with that. You know, like a really nice whiskey or something like that. And but this was like, all right. Well, what else do does Dean? That's probably honestly the one. He gift. consulted with me first about what Dean would like the most, mm. and yeah, that is the one gift that would always probably go over well with me. A great dinner out. A great dinner out and some form of food experience because it's or you know coffee experience or something. It's always interesting and it's different and um, yeah. uh, experience is good. It doesn't weigh down your life. In but yeah, case. don't don't buy me some clothes because I have very particular taste. You know, like and that taste is no pockets. No brands, no labels, plain, as plain as it can be is Dean's. Yep. You're a successful online coach. Why aren't you in like, you know, all the flashy brand clothes? And Yeah, my, like, my Lord, is it $200 Garmin watch? Because you don't need the yeah, $500 yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> the, the Louis Vuitton and the Gucci and all that stuff that you see all over Instagram for the, yeah. But see, I feel Not like cheap. we have the secret to happiness, Richard, and it is not buying that crap. Like being more than satisfied, being fulfilled with, the things that you do have, like wanting the things that you have and finding pleasures in the sun in the morning and a hot coffee and a good conversation. It's the, yeah. it's a secret to life. Not I having, not having to that. question the, the cost of a bill, I think is about as much as I needed in life for me to feel like I made enough money. Yeah. You know, that, that for me is it's like that freedom of like, oh yeah, damn it. Or, ah, just fucking got done speeding. That $150 hurts, but ah, whatever. Like, I think that, yeah. that for me was enough. It's wow. a good way to put it. So Definitely. we'd like to um, wrap up podcasts with a, one tip that might summarise the show or a take-home point. We call it the less shit tip. Mm -hmm. What tip might you have for our listeners? Um, how can they be less shit? How can they be less shit? Uh, is this in terms of uh, in the, like, summing up the show? Yeah, I suppose so. Like yeah. a take-home point from our discussion. Yeah, I think if I can give any piece of advice, if you're not currently setting daily goals that lead towards your process, um, it is one of the easiest ways, I think, to stay on track on top of, you know, what you what your outcome is that you want to achieve. And I think it's also one of makes the whole process of training enjoyable. And I think a lot of people struggle with motivation and they're all or nothing because they they don't they look at an end goal too much. So I think if you can, if you're not currently doing it, just sit down, set up what you, what you, what it looks a day looks like for you to achieve your goal. Um, and then just work at that every single day. And if you do that, I think you'll, uh, you'll get to the outcome probably faster than you realize. Perfect. With less strain as well, mm. I'm sure. Um, all right. Now we like to ask guests, to share something with our audience and it can be totally unrelated to fitness or what we've spoken about a book a quote i don't know something how do you put up your nose anything <laughs> what what would you share with our audience just to remember that and one of my mentors mark rooney always says to me uh just to remember that high water raises all boats um so you know i think it's being able to credit people, being able to lift people up in whatever they're doing um, is going to make everybody better. And I think it's going to make everybody around you and your environment a, a much more enjoyable place to live. Okay. I love that. Hmm. Words to live by. Now, would that you was my to say now the pressure's on this. <laughs> 
the would you rather <laughs> we, times are right. That's we're going to ask right. you a would you rather. I had to do a horrible one of these the other day. Oh, yeah? Tell me. It was that one of, like, if you were, like, in between, like, oh, your, your mom and your dad. Yeah, would you mom. push forward or push back? Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. That what did you choose? I'm, I'm not going back into that. <laughs> and by that, do you mean your mum or your dad? Obviously, his mum, because that's kind of him. <laughs> hang said, on, hang on, hang on. He said back into it. For, for, for listeners who aren't familiar <laughs> with this question, it's something like this. You're laying on your side, your mum, you're kind of like big spooning your mum, and your dad is behind you, big spooning you. You have an erection, the person in the middle. Your dad who's behind you has an erection. Mm. You either have to move back into your dad or forward into your mum. To get out. Which, yeah. yeah, which which would you rather? <laughs> so Richard's pushing back. That was PG version because you're just saying that they're just... Yeah, like, that's a way where... You're I touching this. The, the actual thing is, is that you're one inch inside of your mother. Your dad is one inch inside of you. Right. And Do you, you push back or push forward to okay. get out? Right. So you have to... I don't sit there. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> That is exactly what my friend said to me when I asked him that question. So I used to do a daily would you rather on my Instagram story. And unfortunately, oh, yeah. you can only save 100 of them. Um, and I did Second it, story. I did it for more than 100 days. I've saved them on my highlights if anyone wants to go look. But um, I do feel like my my first language is English. My second language is would you rathers. So I, I'm the would you rather giver mm. on the podcast. And Richard, I'm, I'm going to make it PG, I think. Would you rather have a hole in your throat and you need one of those machines to speak and you're like, hello, I am Richard, mm. you know? Not very motivational. I mean, it would be yeah. hard to get on podcasts, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. God, I wouldn't invite you when I don't know about that. Or be deaf from your current age. So it's not like you've learnt, what's the language when you speak with your hands? What's it called? Sign language. Is it just sign yeah. language? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's hand, simple. It's called hand language. <laughs> the hand language. hand language. Speak with your hands. Yeah, yeah. You have to learn sign language from scratch and obviously communication with clients would be challenging, particularly online. So hang on, hole in the neck or he's deaf? Deaf from today. Today. I'll take the hole in the neck. I like listening to things. I watch too much. Yeah, I'll take the hole in the neck. Why not? You can do captions though on YouTube and... Yeah, but it still doesn't give you the joy of noise. I guess you can't go for a walk. Yeah. You can still be a coach easily though. You just type everything. You think so? Oof. Yeah. yeah, and you can send them voice notes, and you don't even know what they sound like. It'd be awesome. Okay, I can just tell them they like. I can just tell them I, I got the a filter on the voice. <laughs> well, you probably could just, just put a filter on it. A lot of people live life with filters on, so I could just say I got one for my voice. I don't understand when people do that. Like when people see you in real life, and you don't have a filter on your face. What do they yeah. think? How do you filter on? I, your- I did not know that in real life you didn't have dog ears. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Uh, what are you going for dean there was an um hole in it i mean deaf is is i don't know if noise is that important to me you don't know until it's gone then right a hole in the neck's pretty ugly and it sounds pretty bad you probably lose your driver's license if you're deaf why because you've got to hear cars tooting and i don't know actually i don't know can deaf people yeah. take driver's license no, no, I, don't so. I don't think so either really no i don't think so because it's a hazard not to be able to hear a car. But you can turn the music up loud enough. I know you're not allowed to wear Anyways, headphones technically. Let's we'll, we'll fact check this after, but yeah. I believe that to be the case. Interesting. All right, what's I mean, I'd be, you'd be worse off if you were blind. Um, I'm going to go for being deaf. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. I mean, so what would you do? Legit. Me? Mm. 
I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, because this so, is the thing, you're not just deaf, you're also going to have speech impediment after a while. No, I don't know. That, that, I'll tell you what, so that was the one thing that got me as well on that question, which made me lean towards it. And I used to watch a TV show where a guy had a voice thing and he was cool as hell. So okay. um, that one. But, different kind of speech impediment. Because you wouldn't know if your foot if your voice is deteriorating. That's the problem with being deaf too. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with the hole in the neck because right now Dean and I are going to school in Spain. We're trying to learn Spanish. Um and then you know, later on I want to learn the piano, which is I, I bought one when we were living in London, couldn't fit it in the suitcase. Um, and all of the stuff I want to learn and like, I'm so social, it would be so difficult doing it deaf. Mm. I think it would just add another layer. So I'm going to go with hole in the neck. I think you guys have convinced me. Yeah. Okay. Neck hole is the way to go. Look, we'll do a podcast with the three of us having holes in our neck. neck hole. No, we just have to talk like robots. <laughs> Listen to get the little voice things and uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people would keep tuning in. Yeah, there'd be a lot. There'd be a lot to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Richard. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to reach you, actually, how can they find you? Um, so you can just jump on Instagram and type in uh, Richard underscore physico. Easy peasy. We'll easy. put it in the show notes. Yeah. Easiest way. Okay. Mm. Merry Christmas to you. I hope Santa brings you a pony, even if you don't want one. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. And like, like I said to you guys before the podcast as well, it's like, you know, you guys are two people that I've looked up to in the industry uh, for a long period of time. So for you guys to, to ask me to come on, it really means a lot to me. And um, thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Until next time. 